a new series this month. We preach in monthly themes, and we have decided for the summer we're going to study the book of Acts. So we're calling it the Summer Acts, and so we're going to be looking at this book for June and July. And so Although we're studying this book, we won't be able to go be able to go line by line through every chapter because there's 20 something chapters and there's only 9 weeks of summer. And so we're going to do our best. We're going to go in like 3 chapter increments each week. But obviously we won't be able to cover the whole chapter. And so we are encouraging you all to read along with us this summer. So if you read at home the 3 chapters that we may be pulling from each week, then we'll get the full scope um, of the scripture, even though we may have time to only pull out a few stories or a few scriptures along the way. So just to give us a little background, the book of Acts was written by Luke, and it is a historical account of the apostles, the, the men who were sent out by Jesus to start the church and to spread this message of the way of Jesus. And so the book of Acts covers that account. And although it's called the Acts of the Apostles, it really only covers two apostles, some of the work that they did. And so the first half of Acts, it really shows the work of Peter and what he was doing to grow the church uh, in Jerusalem. And then the second half of the book, we switch and we start to follow Paul and his efforts to see this church spread uh, to, to, more, to more nations, to, to the Gentiles. And so this two-part structure kind of really helps us see how the church spread uh, throughout uh, the area. And so we're really excited to study this together. Now today I have the scope of chapters one through three. I'm going to spend the majority, I'm going to spend all the time in chapter two. Chapter two is maybe perhaps one of the most uh, well-known chapters in the New Testament because it talks about the arrival of the Holy Spirit and this is so important to our Christian faith and so I think that it would be good for us to review this information and make sure that we have understanding of what this means for us as Christians. So I'm just going to quickly... Um, give you a quick overview of what chapter one says. So chapter one opens and Jesus has revealed himself. So think that when the gospels close, I'm going to be doing a lot of summarizing today. So we're going to do our best to hang together. The gospels end with Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. He reveals himself to his disciples. So that's the end of the gospels. Then we start the book of Acts. And so it begins in chapter one. It says that Jesus had revealed himself to many people and then he kind of has these final conversations with his disciples, and he says, don't go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know that they knew what that meant, but he said, don't just wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift I'm sending you. So he has this conversation, and then it says that Jesus ascends into heaven, and they watch him go back with the Father. And so then it says that the disciples go back and they decide that they should select a replacement for Judas. Judas is the disciple that betrayed Jesus and he ended up killing himself. And so they thought, well, we should replace him so that there is still 12 of us to be sent out uh, to do the work. All right, so we're going to be focusing on chapter two. There's pr two primary things that happen in chapter two. One is the arrival of the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to be mainly focusing on this morning. But then also there's a sermon by Peter that we are going to end by reading some of that, that sermon. But we're going to start here and, and read the verses that talk about the arrival of the Holy Spirit. So let's begin. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit has enabled them. How strange that must have been to watch and experience. But this is where we see that God sends the Holy Spirit to be among us. Now, I'm going to take time today. Uh, This might be a little bit nerdy, but just give me some grace here and hang with me today. I want to take some time and make sure we understand what Pentecost was, not just this. We now consider Pentecost, when we say that, we mean this moment where the Holy Spirit arrives. But this was a Jewish holiday already. This is what they were gathered together celebrating. I want to make sure we understand that. Um, so we're going to take some time kind of going to the Old Testament and, and back to, to the New. So Pentecost was a Jewish festival called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of First Fruits. And it was a spring harvest festival that celebrated God giving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. So Pentecost was the, the spring festival where they would celebrate the fact that God gave Moses the law. And this was the covenant. This, this symbolizes God wanting to be in a covenant relationship with his people. And so this is what is celebrated on Pentecost. And it, they eventually started calling it Pentecost versus the Feast of Weeks or the First Fruits because Pentecost means 50th day. And this holiday was celebrated 50 days after Passover. So that's where, that, that's where they got that title that they began to just call it Pentecost. So give me a moment as I go back and describe what this was in Exodus, just in case there's anyone here that does not know this account. It's important to know what happened in Exodus so then we can, we can compare it to what's happening here in Acts 2. So, Pentecost, so it came 50 days after Passover. So, Passover, we're going to go to Exodus, where God has said he wants to set the nation of Israel free. They are enslaved in Egypt. And so, he sends Moses to these, the, the, the captured people of Israel, and he's like, You're going to, I'm going to set them free, and I'm going to use you to do that. And so, there's this struggle between him and Pharaoh, and on this last moment, God says, I am sending my judgment to Egypt, because he will not obey. And so he said, um, it's going to be bad, <laughs> and my judgment is going to come through. So for my people, the Israelites, you're going to need to um, take the blood of a lamb, I need to put that lamb over your doorpost. And when my judgment is coming through, it will see, I will see the blood of the lamb and my judgment will pass over you. And you won't uh, feel the ramifications of, of that judgment. And so the Israelites, they sacrificed the lamb and they put that blood over the doorpost. And so when the judgment passed by that night, the Israelites were spared while the Egyptians were not. And that is when the Israelites, Pharaoh said, just go, get out of here. And so the Israelites were set free from slavery and they go into the desert and they come to Mount Sinai. And this is when God meets them And there's this whole display. Uh, It says that the mountain is covered in in billows of smoke and the whole thunder is is, is shaking with thunder and it's a loud noise and God is there speaking to them. It says that Moses, God calls Moses up into the darkness to speak with him. And this is when God gives the Ten Commandments and he writes the law on tablets. And so Moses eventually comes back out with the law of the covenant. Okay, and so this is what Pentecost was celebrating, that 
Um, 50 days after Passover, after they were set free, God's judgment went by, then God brings out the law of the covenant and says, you now are going to be my people. I'm going to be your God, and we're going to be in relationship, and we're going to be partnered together to do the mission uh, on this earth. Okay, so that is what Pentecost was celebrating, just so we get that picture. And so I want to point out here that Luke tells us it's not just an unimportant detail that he puts in there, that it was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. That is purposed. So Luke is telling us that God was unveiling a new manifestation, a deeper revelation of Pentecost. They were not simply just celebrating it another year. Luke is trying to be very purposeful in saying, like, look, we had this other covenant, this old covenant, the thing that we're celebrating on this day of Pentecost, but today, on this day, the Holy Spirit comes and is bringing a new, deeper covenant, a better covenant with his people. And so we're going to take a few minutes, and I want to show how these events mirror each other. So we're going to be going, we're going to be mirroring the events that happened in Exodus when God gives the, the covenant of the law, and we're going to see how they mirror one another when he gives the covenant of the Holy Spirit, the new covenant. Okay, so in Exodus, it was 50 days after Passover, right? We just said that. So God's judgment passed over them. They were set free from slavery. In Acts, it was 50 days after the crucifixion because we know Jesus was our Passover lamb. He is the fulfillment, the deeper fulfillment. Not only now, they, their life was spared that day when judgment passed over in the old covenant. Now in the new covenant, our eternity is spared. The judgment I deserve in eternity God's judgment will pass over me if I accept the blood of what, what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, so both events were 50 days after this, these events. In Exodus, they go to Mount Sinai to meet with God, to wait to hear direction from God. They're lost in the desert. Like, we don't know what our next steps are. God just rescued us out of slavery, spared our life, but what are our next steps? And in Acts, they're at Mount Zion, and the same kind of maybe idea, that they know they're, they're on mission with God. God's just said, I'm going to send you on mission, but don't start yet. And so they're waiting. They're waiting to receive this direction from God. It says that God's presence in, in the Old Testament... Old Testament meaning before the cross, before Jesus died. So in Exodus, God's presence came down like fire, smoke, and thunder. And in Acts, God's presence is represented by wind, fire, and different languages. In Exodus, God writes the law on stone, and he brings out, and Moses brings out the stone tablets. But in Acts, in the New Testament, the laws are written on our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the guide of us for righteous living. He is the means of righteous living for us. Jesus' sacrifice and the Holy Spirit. And the last thing we're going to look at that's mirroring each other is in the, the chapters that follow that moment, we see God gives instructions of where he wants his temple. And his temple simply represented his presence, where he was going to dwell among the people. And so in Exodus in the Old Testament, it was a tabernacle. It was a tent that they set up, that God's presence dwelled at. But in the New Testament, the New Covenant, God's temple is God's people. With the Holy Spirit, now God dwells within us. 
So I, to me, this is so exciting because uh, it, this account in Acts is not just the arrival of the Holy Spirit, which is absolutely amazing, game-changing, you know, history-changing, but it also, the story of Pentecost is also the redemption story of Exodus. The redemption story, because we couldn't keep this law. We kept, we kept messing up. We, we couldn't live it out perfectly. And so Acts 2, is, these events are mirroring each other. Um, and, and this happens a lot in Scripture. You will see that the Old Testament is a foreshadowing, is pointing to the New Testament. It's pointing to Jesus coming in the New Testament. But then you could also say that the New Testament, when Jesus comes in this, on the scene in the New Testament, Jesus is affirming and points back to the Old Testament. And not just that he's affirming it, but he is. He is the word in flesh, and he lives the law perfectly. And he lives it out. He does what we could not do. He walks it out perfectly and is the fulfillment of that. All right, and so the arrival of the Holy Spirit marks a huge change in how God dealt with people, that now he lives and works within us. Let's keep reading. Verse 5, now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused. The sound of the wind and also that now they're speaking another language. Because each one heard them speaking in his own language, they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each one of us can hear them in our own native tongue? We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But some sneered and said that they were drunk on wine. So I just want to, but before we keep reading, I just want to say here, even in this moment where they were seeing a miraculous, one of the most miraculous moments that would happen in scripture, you have two groups of people, some that were like, well, they all were astounded and perplexed, but some state were like, we're curious, we're curious what this means. Well, you have another group of people that are just like, eh, they're drunk and just made fun of them. So we're still going to have that today. I don't know if you ever feel discouraged, like what else must I do? For my family to be saved. What else must I do? What perfect word can I say? What per- Listen, even when they were seeing the manifestation of God come down in the Holy Spirit, there were still ones that, that could not see it, that would not Amen. see it. So we, we commit to living faithfully and speaking about Jesus, and we leave the, the results of what happens up to the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now we enter the kind of the second part of this chapter where Peter goes into his sermon. I cannot read the whole thing for the sake of time, but I've, I've just taken sections, but I'm trusting that you're going to go home and you're going to read chapters 1 through 3 so that you get the whole scope. So, Acts 2 at, at verse 14. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let this be known to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. Interesting that he's like, because we don't drink. He's like, well, it's only nine. I mean, <laughs> that's the argument he had. But so... Let's just point out here, before we finish out, we're going to finish with a few more verses, but I want, to, I want to remind us that it was just 50 days ago that Peter had one of the biggest mess-ups recorded in our scriptures. He had denied Christ, even when Christ said, you're going to do it, he's like, I'm not going to do it. And he did. One of the biggest 
shameful, I'm sure he felt, moments. And, and Jesus did have that restoration moment with him, but I just wanted to point out, it's so encouraging to see that Peter truly understood God's grace and forgiveness. Because if it were me, and I had just, you know, a little over a month ago, had a tremendous failure, even though I know God's forgiven me, I don't know that I would have been the one to look around in this moment and be like, I got this, guys. I got this. I, let me do it. Let me, it ties into what Dr. C was talking about last week, that we have to know that we live in God's grace or nothing else. We cannot have it dependent on our performance and how good we are, or else we will never do what we're called to do. It's by grace and grace alone, and it's so encouraging to see that Peter understood that and accepted that and kept going forward with the mission, and he didn't spend time wallowing in his mistake. All right, there's something to be learned there. All right, these are going to be the final verses, and we're going to close. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death. Amen because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Tough words. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord, I'm sorry, I don't have my glasses on, I gotta step back at that, as many as the Lord our God will call. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. All right, I'm going to do one last comparison to the story in Exodus, that this is really fulfilling or deepening. And if you know the story, you know where this is going. But when Moses comes down off Mount Sinai, he's, he's... He's heard from God. God has given the covenant. He's given the means by which these people are going to be in relationship with the God of the universe. They knew Moses was in there doing that. They saw him go in. They heard God speak. They saw the miracles he had just done 50 days prior, miracle after miracle to set them free. When Moses comes down, it says he hears like a lot of noise. He even thinks like, boy, are they being attacked by an army? It's so noisy down there. But what had happened was the people in that short amount of time had grown, I don't know, bored, weary, insecure, I'm not sure. But it says that they convinced Aaron, they're like, come on, this is taking too long, you know, figuring out what God's going to say to us. Let's fasten our own gods, let's make our own idols, and we will worship those while we wait. And so it says they took their earrings and their, their jewelry and they melted it down and they made a gold calf. And so Moses comes down from literally meeting with God. Everyone knows he's meeting with God. He comes down and sees 
the people, the Israelites that were just rescued, just said, you're my special people, I'm going to make a covenant with you, he sees them worshiping a false god. A god they know is false, they just created it with their own hands. It says there, he was so angry, and it says that 3,000 were killed that day for being unfaithful. Right. This is the last thing we're going to see that, that mirrors. So in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, 3,000 died. Here in Acts, when we see 3,000 unfaithful people, we see that they are saved through repentance. Wow. The covenant that we are under with the death and resurrection of Jesus. I, there's not words to describe that gift that he's given us. That when I'm unfaithful, when I waver, when I lose faith, when I put my eyes on the wrong thing, when I start worshiping the things in my life that feel more important because they demand more of my time and so I don't realize my worship has shifted to this thing in my life, I'm so grateful that we live in the new covenant, that I can repent. I can say, God, forgive me for missing the mark. And he, he gives us the Holy Spirit there to correct us, to guide us, to convict us, to encourage us, to comfort us, that we went from being slaves to now being sons and daughters who are adopted into his story, into his family. Let's stand as we pray. Jesus came and was the perfect fulfillment of everything we couldn't do. And we simply have to listen to the words of Peter who says, repent. Repent and be baptized. Repent and believe. Just admit where you've messed it up, where you've gotten it wrong, and change. And we change because the Holy Spirit enables us to, gives us the power to do so, the insight to do so. And that's also where the community comes together. Those of you that were just <clears throat> on this youth camp, my prayer all weekend, and all of us look around this room, we were praying for you. We had text threads going, praying for you guys, that you would encounter, that you would have like a Mount Zion moment meeting with God that you would experience his love for you, that you are sons and daughters. And the beautiful thing about community and the Holy Spirit is that through each other and through the Holy Spirit, we help keep each other on track. When, when, we, when we start to lose our way, when we start to worship those idols, when we start to want to go back to slavery and sin, we, we, we encourage each other to keep pushing forward. So let's just have a moment. Let's ask right now that we would have a Holy Spirit moment in this room. So close your eyes if you would want to raise your hands. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the text that we get to live by and know you and understand your heart for us. And Father, right now, we, we believe, those of us who are here, well, let me start with this. If there's anyone here that has not accepted Christ and you want to be in this covenant relationship with Jesus, 
who loves you and who continued to all throughout history make a way for us to get back to him. If you want to be in a relationship with him, just say right now in your heart, say, God, I choose you. I want to be in a relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin. I believe in you. Help me in the areas that I do not believe. And Holy Spirit, we know that you are the gift that we get to receive when we accept the Son. And so, Father, right now I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that you would fill up every person in this room. That if you're a believer, we know we already have the Holy Spirit within us. But God, we ask for more, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We ask for more, God. We ask for the fire of your Holy Spirit to be in this church. We want to do big things for you. And big things doesn't have to mean uh, famous things. It just means have big faith to trust you in big ways, to do things that maybe feel scary for me, but I know that I'm trusting you. Holy Spirit, I pray that today that, that uh, people would hear your voice that have never known what that is like before. That as we spend time in silence and solitude, that God, they would hear your direction. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the new covenant, God, that you were the perfect sacrifice. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would seal everything you did in these young men and women's lives this weekend. Seal it, God. I pray that they would, it would be something that they hold on to and that uh, resets their north anytime they start to waver. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Amen.